I say a prayer. I know the Lord's Prayer. Or maybe you say, I'm not that religious. God is just an opiate for the masses. Praise is just, or prayer is just an auto-suggestion. You speak your needs to the universe and it's quantum physics. If you think it, if you want it, and you feel it, it can be yours. But is this really the reality behind prayer? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury and Wyoming Valley. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. Hello, my name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform at 10 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. In order to find my podcast easy, Uh, If you go to godsresistance.com, there is a podcast section that is down. If you scroll down, you'll find it, and that'll help you get connected. You can also contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com, and that email address may be changing um, sometime here in the near future, or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. In our culture, there's somewhat of a fear of asking, a fear of asking something that seems like it's maybe above uh, the realm of quote-unquote possibility or, or the likelihood of it is maybe very low. So there's that fear of asking in our culture, and that breeds uh, maybe from a fear of rejection. But then there's other people that really seem to have no fear at all. You've probably experienced this. There's nothing always wrong with this. Sometimes there could be, but sometimes people have no fear. You can find them in the beggars that are on the street. Can I get a dollar? I need a dollar. I need a dollar to go get something to drink. I need a dollar to go get something to eat. And I'm not sure if that's exactly what they're doing or not. Uh, God knows, but they seem to not care about asking. There seems to be less shame, perhaps. I remember listening to or reading, actually, Tim Ferriss. Uh, he is a entrepreneur. He wrote a few books, but I remember him either reading or, or listening to some interview where he was saying this lady wanted to become an entrepreneur, and perhaps she was a little bit, I guess, gun shy. She was nervous uh, about doing certain things, and so he said the first step in doing all this is what you should do is ask, ask for something that maybe is a little bit out of the ordinary. And the test was, go into this Starbucks where you would buy your coffee and ask for a discount. She said, well, you know, the the money is, or the cost is rather on the board right there. So are they really going to give me uh, a discount on that? I mean, I didn't even know you could do that. And he said, well, this is how you start. So she went in and she just asked if, if she could get a discount. She comes back out with the coffee and they say, so how'd it go? She says, lo and behold, they gave me a discount. I simply just asked them and they said, well, the best I can do is give you 10%. And asking 
helped her to get something that she otherwise wouldn't have got. Even though she had some self-doubt in her mind before asking, the very act of asking helped her to make some progress. We also have a thing in our culture that putting in a lot of hard work is not as, it's not as sought after or virtuous as perhaps it used to be in years past. Deeply looking for something and, and, and really like racking our minds and our brains and all of our powers trying to figure something out or trying to go after something, it's tiring. But you know the people that spend the time looking, working, digging, Generally speaking, these people are usually rewarded. There is some risk to it, sure, but they are rewarded for their labors. And we need to have a little bit more of that mindset in our present day. We have myriads of needs, but the question really is where do we go next? There's so many unfulfilled needs that you and I have. I mean, you can look at that going on YouTube. There's people that in my estimation, I don't know what their heart is or what's really going on, but it's like people are trying to, they say they're trying to find themselves. I think what they're really trying to do is find answers. They're trying to find truth. They're trying to find purpose. They're trying to find meaning. So sometimes people go build a tiny house and they try and live in a tiny house, or maybe they, they go build some cabin up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere and live by themselves and try and live off the land, or you know, uh, maybe they try and travel all throughout the world, whatever it is. They're looking for something. They have so many unfulfilled needs. And if I don't go after any of those needs, nothing will happen. If I don't try and seek, if I don't try and make progress towards anything, nothing's going to happen. I once heard a preacher say, if I do something, something will happen. If I do nothing, nothing will happen. I think that's so obvious for us is if we just think about it, we need to do something if we expect something to happen. But is this the way? that we should think about our relationship with God. Will God give anybody anything that they ask for? That seems kind of like a loaded question. People may have different responses to that question. But here's something that you and I need to consider. If we are not saved, if we are not born again, if we have not been radically changed by God and we're his children and we are living above sin, and you may say, oh, that is, that, we can't live above sin. Go back and listen to some of my podcasts on the book of 1 John, and that will help you maybe in some of those areas. But he's not just going to give anybody anything that they ask for. There's conditions that are there. If we uh, regard sin in our hearts, he's not obligated to listen to us. So the relationship that we have with God is a child with their father. And the way to enter into that relationship is by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, then God will give to us what we ask for because our desires have been radically changed. And I said, is this the way that we should think about a relationship with God, like all these examples that we find in the world around us? And will God give anything, uh, anybody anything that they ask for? Well, why don't we look in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and we're going to be reading through verse uh, 11. So Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Jesus said, and it shall be given you, ask, excuse me, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. This verse harkens back to the end of chapter 6, where you remember Jesus said, don't follow after the anxieties of the world around you. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Where am I going to clothe myself? Where am I going to live? You know, and, the, and they 
live for that. They're, they're running around the rat race. They're trying to make tons of money because it, it really boils down to life is about just those simple bare things. I think you and I understand life is so much more. But this verse harkens back to that. Jesus said, don't be anxious, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So he says, ask, ask. Instead of being anxious, instead of losing your head, ask. And this is the beginning of any unknown venture. We think about it in the business world. Sometimes we think, well, how do I make the next step? If, I, if I'd like to go a little further, what do I do here? Well, then you got to ask. You want to raise? Ask. You want a different position? Ask. You've got an idea of where this company should go that may help the company? Ask. That's where it all starts. A question. Questions. Asking. That's where it starts. Oftentimes, our asking may be met with a no, and there's two different people. There's somebody that hears the word no and then says, well, that just means no for now, and I've got to figure something else out, or maybe circumstances have to change a little bit, and I'll try again. And then there's the other class that when they hear no, that's definitively no. It's the end. It's over. Forget it. But it really can't hurt to ask. If you ask and nothing happens, are you any worse off than you were before? Jesus said something different, though. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. And I think we all understand what asking means. It is to make a request. Asking is the language of desire. What happens if I ask God something or for something? What happens? Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Shall is a word of certainty. I remember when I was a young child and I would ask my parents, you know, can we go here or can we do this? And my parents said, maybe. And I said, well, what does maybe mean? I think some of, the, some of the first times that I heard those words as a kid, and I, I believe many of you listening would feel the same way, you hear the word maybe when you were younger and you thought, so there is a chance. And you usually in your mind would make maybe mean more yes than anything else. But really, it was, it's a possibility. That was, that was what was behind the word maybe. And as I started to understand that that's what my parents were saying, well, that bothered me a little bit. Because then I thought, I just want a definitive answer. But they said, maybe. Well, Jesus didn't say, ask, and maybe it'll be given unto you. He said, ask, and it shall be given unto you. A certainty. How? How can he, how can he give this as a promise, as a motivation? Isn't he afraid of what we're going to ask for? Do you remember what I said uh, introducing this topic just a little bit ago? When somebody is truly saved, born again, has been radically changed, by the death of Jesus Christ and faith in him and repentance from dead works, they no longer have those selfish desires there. God has done a radical change in them, and now the desires that are in their heart at first seem somewhat foreign to them because they came from God. They came from the Son of God, and they're now implanted in our hearts, and now it's no longer myself and my selfish desires. Now I have a desire of the, for the glory of God. As we heard in the end of Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is the principle that is planted with inside of our hearts if we really get saved and give our lives over to Jesus. So Jesus isn't afraid to say, ask and it shall be given unto you. He's not afraid because he knows that his children are going to ask for those things that don't go against his nature, his word, his heart, his desires. They're going to ask for the extension of the kingdom of God. They want to see God's will go forward. 
And for those of you that are listening that maybe have not had this radical experience to be born again, to be saved, to be changed, to have victory over sin, if you've not had this experience, then maybe this sounds crazy to you and you think, what in the world is this guy talking about? I don't, I don't even think that's possible or maybe I don't understand. Jesus said, obey me and you'll know whether the doctrine is true. I think that's John seven seventeen. So obey God. Repent of your sins, trust in him, let him radically change you, and then see what happens to your prayer life. I remember soon after I got saved, I was very ignorant. I didn't grow up in an evangelical church. I didn't grow up in any church that really told me that the need to repent of my sins and be saved. It was just kind of like, if you go to a church, you're a Christian. That was my understanding when I was younger. But I remember after I got saved, radical difference. I started to realize heaven was open to me. When I was praying, I was conscious that I wasn't just praying out in the air and hoping that this, you know, God in the sky is somehow going to be merciful to me and answer me or, or give something to me. I remember after I got saved, I was conscious of the presence of God. I was conscious that he was listening to me. I was conscience, conscious of answered prayers. I remember praying and watching things happening and then being like, wow. And then I would tell other people that are Christians, I would say, God answered my prayers and it was miraculous. And they would say, well, yeah. And I thought to myself, I never even knew that this was true or a possibility whatsoever. As far as I was concerned, prayer was just kind of like the religious thing to do. But it's not in the mind of Jesus. He said, ask and it shall be given to you. So if you're not saved, repent of your sins, trust in Christ to save you. Let him radically change you. And in turn, let him radically change your prayer life. Your prayers will not just be empty words anymore. It'll have power. And he said, ask and it shall be given you. Why given? Because if something is given, that means I don't have it. And when it's given, that means it's freely given to me. I don't have to pay for it. I simply am asking. And we're looking, we're acknowledging in our asking that I don't have the thing that I need or desire, but God does. So I'm looking for a divine answer. I'm looking for divine supply. It's coming directly from the hand of God himself. And he says, ask and it shall be given unto you. It's not, you know, your, your friend, he prayed and then God gave you something. It's not, you know, the, the priest or the pastor or wherever you go, you pray and then this person or that person prays and then you get what you want. He says, it shall be given to you because you are the one that had the desire. You're the one that's asking and you are the one that's going to benefit from the promise of God. So we have a personal asking, a personal answering of God, and a personal giving from God to us, a personal receiving of that gift or that thing that we were seeking for. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 f.m., you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Next in this verse, Jesus said, Seek, and ye shall find. Think about the word seek for a minute. Seeking is looking for something intently. You all understand when you were younger and maybe you still play it. 
with your kids or grandkids or whatever it might be, but hide and seek. I remember when I used to go to my grandmother's house in the summer for at least two weeks, cousins would come, you know, my sister was there. Uh, there'd be a bunch of young people and we're playing hide and go seek in my grandma's house. And I remember my uncle being there and he would help us to find some of the better hiding places, some of the ones that were harder for people to discover us. And one of them I remember was I got inside of a suitcase and he zipped the suitcase shut and he said to me, I know this is kind of funny, but you have got to keep quiet and they won't find you. It'll be so hard. Sure enough, everyone was found but me. And I'm just with glee kind of laughing that I'm in this place where nobody can find, but they were looking for me intently. They weren't, they didn't just look a couple places and then say, Oh, I don't know where he is. They were like, where is he? Where is he? I could hear him all around the house. And when we seek for something, we don't just give up so easy. We're looking for something. We want something. I remember my father, he has a disposition that when something was lost or he couldn't find it, I remember he, he would lose a tool or he'd lose something in the house and he would say, he, he would ransack the house. I mean, he'd be turning over every stone, so to speak, in the house, trying to find where this tool was. He would sit down and think to himself, when was the last time that I had this tool? Where was I? What did I do? And then he would come around to us. Have any of you seen this tool? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? To my father's credit, though, it, it sometimes looked like it drove him mad when he was looking for things. To my father's credit, he would often find what he was looking for because he didn't give up. He kept seeking. So. When he says, seek and ye shall find, it implies that answers to prayer may not always come so easily. When seeking, it implies that things are somewhat hidden. That is, the answers to our prayers or what we need to know is somewhat hidden. We're asking for something, then seeking for the answer to our request. I want this answer now, Lord. And part of seeking is looking. Part of seeking is watching and expecting the answer. If we stop looking, we're not going to find it. Just like with my father, if he stopped looking, he wouldn't have found what he was looking for. But he kept looking and he was expecting to find it and therefore he did find it. So where shall we seek to instruct our request? Because maybe you ask and it seems like God's not answering. Could it be possible that you're not asking quite right? And I don't mean always that your heart is wrong. Sometimes we just don't know. So we go to seeking and what's the best place to do that? In the Bible. We read in the Bible who God is, what he's promised, what he's done for people in the past, and we start to gain an understanding of a request that we could ask God that we're certain he's going to answer because we know him through the Bible. So if we find that our prayers seem not to be answered, then we go to seeking in the scripture and he'll change our thinking. He'll change our desires. He'll change our requests to align with him. The thing is, if we do all that and we're certain that that's it, we just keep seeking until we find. And he says, if you seek and you keep seeking, we shall find, again, a certainty. This is God motivating us to pray. He's saying, listen, prayer's not supposed to be something that you just say and nothing happens. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. And the third thing in this verse, knock and it shall be open unto you. Knocking brings attention to the person that's on the other side of the door. Knocking, you know, speaks of, of, a, of a persistence. I want the person that's in there to come out and talk to me. It's auditory. Now it's no longer just, you know, well, I have maybe this desire to go and talk with this person. That would be foolish if I stood on someone's front steps out there and just hoping that they might come to the door. But nobody does that. They bang on the door and then the person comes or they ring the doorbell. 
It's auditory. It gets their attention. We're literally seeking permission to enter into this person's home or to enter into their space to talk with them. And it's the same with God. Once I have asked and I seek and I know it's God's will, then I'm persistently knocking and saying, oh, all right, Lord, open the door and give me the thing that I'm asking. And we're, we're, we're being bold. It's, it's going from one tier, from the asking to the seeking, from the seeking to the knocking and from the knocking to then beholding the very thing that we were longing for all along. Knocking shows the confidence that your request is in line with the word of God as you have sought. It's the same thing with people who are doing sales. They knock on doors, knock, 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 knock. And, and because of their persistence in knocking on the doors, they often get sales. If, you're, if you persistently ask, seek, and knock about something, you will gain your request. No doubt about it, because he said, if you knock, it shall be opened. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, it shall be opened. It's a certainty. Notice, though, that in these three things, asking, seeking, and knocking, they're all certainties, but they're conditional. We do our part. We do the asking. We do the seeking. We do the knocking. And then God will do his part. He'll be doing the giving. He'll help us to find. And then he will open the door to us. Let's move on to the next verse, verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. So he says everyone, there's no respecter of person, literally anyone, whoever meets the conditions will get this. Now remember in the beginning I said you, you've got to be a child of God, and if you ask, seek, and knock, you shall find. If you meet these conditions, He will grant you your request. He will lead you along until you get the very thing that you're desiring and asking. And if you're asking wrong, he will instruct you the right way and you'll know that he's going to give it. Our generation often, it seems at large, expects that things are just going to be handed to us. We have this entitlement mentality. Well, I deserve this. This is mine. This is mine. This isn't the way God thinks, though. We're not an entitled people. We're a people that are humbly dependent on God, and God's no you know, man that just dangles the carrot in front of us, and when we get close enough to the carrot, he pulls it a little farther away. He wants to give us good things. That's his heart. He is, he's, a, he's a blessing giver. That is his nature. But we're not entitled to anything, so we have to ask. We have to seek. We've got to knock. And when he said that certainty that anyone that does this will receive, this is direct reward for your labors in prayer. It's no longer a religious duty as the Jews were used to, but it's a power. It's a power in the place of prayer. And I have a right as a child of God to ask him for things and expect to receive them. I have a boldness to come before his presence because I'm his child. I remember hearing a story about JFK. He was speaking with some important people and it was outside and one of his children were, I think it was a little boy. He was pushing a a little toy car along uh, on the ground, kind of at the feet of all of these important people. And the, the, his little car went under or an actual car that was parked near them. And in the middle of this important conversation, his little boy tugs on his suit coat and is like, Dad, my car is under that, under that big car. Can you get it? Nobody else felt bold or whatever to interrupt such important speaking engagements. But that little boy was like, that's my dad. He'll help me. And so he asks him, and that's the attitude the child of God has. I ask, I seek, I knock, and he's going to give me what I'm asking for because he's my father. All of these, asking, seeking, and knocking, are active in the present. Literally meaning, if you continually ask, you'll receive. If you continually seek, you'll find. If you continually knock, the door will be open to you. That persistence and that 
intense focus and resolve. And then Jesus brings us into these very homely illustrations, verses 9 and 10. He said, Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? So Jesus is addressing men, fathers in the group. He says, which one of you men, as a father, would hear your son ask for a piece of bread and you're going to give him a rock, a stone? If your son asks for some bread, you're likely going to give him bread. If he asks for a fish, which one of you fathers is going to give him a snake? Will you give something entirely different than what they're asking? That's the appeal Jesus is making to the men and the fathers that are there. And especially, are you going to do something so insulting to your child that if, you're, if they're asking, both of these things are things to eat. Can I have a piece of bread? Can I have some fish? There's hunger involved there. How insulting is that if the father gives a stone and a snake? That's not going to satisfy uh, the child's hunger. That's not even a proper substitute whatsoever. I mean, a good parent might do that. Well, I don't have this, you know, uh, but, I, but I have this you can eat instead. But he's saying, which one of you would give something bad when the kid is requesting for something good? And he's trying to get these people to think about prayer and about who God is and how God will answer their prayer. So then we come to verse 11. And he said, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? He said, if ye then, the self-knowledge of a father being reasonable with their son's request, if you fathers are going to act like this and give your child the thing that they're asking for, and he said, being evil, what does he mean? Well, our culture says everyone is born inherently good and there's just a few bad seeds. That's not what the Bible says. It says that our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things and who can know it. Our hearts are evil at the core. Society has held it in check. Conscience holds it in check at times. But that is what's inside the heart. And he said, if you being evil and really in in comparison to God, think of yourself. God is holy and, and altogether different than we are. And I'm not quite up to the same par as he is. And we have selfish hearts. We have a sinful heart. He's saying, if you, with this sinful problem inside of your own heart and your own being, know how to give good gifts to your children, and that means those acceptable, those reasonable gifts, not the insulting ones suggested like the stone or the snake, then he says, how much more? Me, God, will give you good gifts. God is holy and perfect in all of his attributes. He's not selfish. He's not sinful. And so he's saying to them, ask seek, knock, and I'm going to give you what you're asking for. I am not going to substitute it for something that is an insult to you. I'm not going to give you something bad when you're requesting for something good. I want to give you the desires of your heart. And that's why it's so important that we need to get saved and come to him. Because if he change our hearts, then we can ask in a way that's not going to destroy and spoil us. And we'll find that answered prayer is going to be part of our everyday Christian life. So if you know how to give good gifts to your children, think about God the Father. If that is how we can do it, how much more would he answer your prayers, dear listener? So let me ask you this question. How is your prayer life? Is it dry? 
Is your prayer life not so much communion with God, but like a religious duty? Or maybe is your prayer life personal, intimate with God, an intimate knowledge of God and who he is? Not just, I read about it in a book, but I experienced him. I talked with him this morning. I communed with him and he has helped me. He's refreshed me in my soul. I know his own presence. How is your prayer life? You know, you can break out of a religious practice and you can know the life-giving power and reality of prayer. God gives us sure promises to encourage and stir us to prayer. He wants us to prove him. Frequent answered prayer is normal in God's sight. Frequent answered prayer is the privilege of every child of God that has been born again. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But if I've been saved, radically changed, and have victory over sin, then answered prayer is the normal life of a Christian. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. Set up a time that we can meet together. We can go in a coffee shop or at your home or my home, whatever it needs to be. And I want to help you. I want to coach you and help you further in your walk with God. Make sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You're going to find more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey. You'll connect with other people that are on their journey also. Tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK and tell them about our social media. And above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons License. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.